Revelation 12:11 And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to the death. Welcome to By the Word of Their Testimony and here is your host Etienne McClintock. Dear listener, greetings and a warm welcome. Thank you for joining me on the program again today. I'm delighted to have your company. My special guest in the studio is Emmanuel Higgins. Emmanuel, welcome to the program. Thank you, Etienne. It's a pleasure. It's great that you can come here and share your testimony on this program. Now, we've had your wife share her testimony previously. Mm. I'm looking forward now to hearing the other half of the story. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because sooner or later, those two lives obviously intersect. Yes, that's right. Now, your wife told us a little bit about what she's doing. I guess part of what she's involved with, you're involved with as well. But just mm. for those who didn't hear the program, can you tell us just a little bit about what you're currently involved with? Mm. So currently, we're involved in planting a church on the Central Coast. Okay. So we're with a team of young people, young adults, and my wife and I are actively involved in that church mm. planting. We're also involved in a very exciting youth ministry that works with young people and particularly with music, but okay. it's, it's a Christian youth ministry that helps young people know God. Wonderful. Okay, so you've got this church plant that you're, 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 you're quite involved with. Uh, what sort of activities involved in that because I know you run a mm. uh, like a Friday night small group yes, from your home. that's right, yes. And then also there's a visitation where you go and visit people door to door. You get to know them, see if there's any needs in the community yep. and you also provide some services. Can you perhaps just touch on a little bit of that aspect mm. of the, the church plan? Yes, yeah, so we're spending a lot of our time out in the community trying to see where the community needs. You know, what does this community really need and what mm. can we do to meet that need? So we've done a lot of visiting people door to door. Right. So talking with people, asking them questions, also sharing what we can with people to help them out, sharing especially awesome books with people, Christian literature. Mm. Uh, so one of the th exciting programs we have coming up is a program targeting people with depression and anxiety. So this was an area we, we found a, a great need in the community. Mm. And I think more and more people are seeing that, that that's yeah. a big problem. It's a growing scourge in our society. And, mm. Yeah. It True. is, it is. So that's uh, coming up only in a few weeks um, as of this recording. Okay. And so we're very excited to be able to offer that program to the community. And we're looking at moving to a different uh, to the entrance um, in the Central Coast later on this year. Okay. And being, going down there to offer similar programs um, and start a more regular worship services. Okay, well, that sounds mm. really exciting. It is. Yeah. Now, uh, you uh, have also done some other work. Perhaps we'll get to that a little bit later. But no doubt you didn't start here. Uh, you, you started your life as any other normal boy, I guess, grown into a family. Tell us a little bit about your family and where you were born and so forth. Yeah, so we were born in the Upper Hunter Valley in New South Wales. Okay, so not too far from the studios. Not too far, no. Yeah. So you go west from Newcastle, keep going west, and little town of Marywar. So it's okay. on the on the way to Dubbo, mm. and not much out there, just some farms, some sheep, cows, 
and a lot of dust. Okay. <laughs> but <laughs> it was quite dry, was it? When we were there, it was. Okay. Yeah, we were, it was quite a bad drought, actually. Mm. Um, but that's, yeah, that's where I first started remembering things. So I was about four years old when we moved there. Funny you should say four years. The psychologists tell us that that's typically from four onwards that we start remembering. Yes. Apparently the mind rewires itself between the age of two and four. So. Yeah, there you go. Okay. <laughs> okay, so what can you remember from about the age of four? So it was uh, – oh, I, I loved the upbringing. It was a beautiful upbringing, I think, from a child's perspective. It was lots of animals, lots of nature. We did distance education. So, you know, um, reasonably big family, some youngest of five, mm. and mum and dad – both committed Christians, so it was a blessing to to have that guidance in the faith from that young age. But probably a difficult up, a difficult life from mum and dad's perspective. Right. Okay. <laughs> so you're the youngest of five. Yes. Well, that surprised me. I don't know. Sometimes I get a bit of a feel of people are the youngest or the oldest. For some reason, I thought you possibly were the oldest. I don't know why. <laughs> okay. Okay. So you're the youngest. I'm the youngest. Yes. Okay. And uh, it was a tough life. Yeah, it wasn't easy for mum and dad. You know, it was we were 45 minutes out of town, uh, end of a no-through road, pretty much. Okay. Um, in fact, the, where we lived was quite unique. We were inside a national park. So these oh, were... Oh, wow. Yeah, these were little 40-acre blocks um, given to returned soldiers mm. in after World War II. So they... Uh, and then it became a national park after that. So you've got all these blocks actually inside a park. Oh, so, okay. Now, your dad wasn't a return soldier. No, no he <laughs> <Okay>. wasn't. Dad's a nurse. Actually, okay. mum and dad are both nurses. Oh, wow. Um, okay. And so. dad would work in the hospital. So you guys would have been in good hands if you got a little bit sick and had some yes. of the childhood diseases. <laughs> I guess so. Yes, indeed. Yeah, mum and dad were good with that. Hmm. And and so they were both Christian. So the, the upbringing was uh, Christian-based, Bible-based? Yes. Yeah, mm. very much so. So seeing we were like a long way from church, right? Yeah. The nearest church that mum and dad um, would go to is about two hours away. Wow. So on our, on our Sabbaths, we would spend time in nature. Mm. So regular Sabbath would be maybe play a video or listen to a sermon or something in the morning. And then the afternoon, just go hiking in the bush. And dad would lead us on these exploration hikes right. around, um, what was it, Goulburn River National Park. I believe is the national park. Okay. So, and I, I really think we can connect with God in nature. Mm. I really think we can, and it's something I strongly believe even today. I think that's shaped, shaped uh, my you know a character. And I always encourage people: you can connect with God in nature. You, you can find a quiet spot, and in the silence, God's voice becomes more distinct to you. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting that you mentioned that because our society is so rushed. Yes. And we don't have quiet times. Mm. When it's quiet, we're not used to it. So yeah. on goes the stereo or on goes something or music or whatever it may be. Yes. And I wonder if people ever have that opportunity to actually have that quiet time mm. and just let God speak to them. You yes. Know, or just, you know, work through their conscience. Because mm. yeah, I think of anything, the devil probably tries to keep the mind very busy and active. Mm. And uh, he's deliberately doing that so that uh, we don't have time to reflect and think mm. and have God speak to us. Yes, that's Especially right. Especially in nature, because I, I believe that uh, nature is God's second book. We, we refer to the Bible as mm. the first and great revelation of God. Yep. But even nature, it, um, I, I'm just thinking of the, uh, the text in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, where it says that for since the creation of the world, his, that's God's invisible attributes, are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. Yes, amen. So really in nature we can actually get a revelation of God. Yes. 
second to the Bible only, I would say. Mm, mm. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. You know, if I was to trace back the first time when God became real to me as, as an individual, you know, you know, actually, I know God is real. Yeah. Um, and that's something that we each need to experience. Like our mum and dad can't pass that down to us. Um, you can't give that to me. My pastor can't give that to me. That's something we need to experience. Mm. And uh, the first time, yeah, if it, I think it was just sunrise in a quiet spot on a mountainside, listening to the birds. And How old would you have been when you had this experience? Can you remember? Probably around 10. Okay. Yeah, give or take a bit. So fairly young mm. and, and obviously a limited understanding. Like I know now so much more. Actually, it might have been, I think I was baptized when I was nine. So... Okay, that's that's quite a young age. That's quite young mm. to, to to commit oneself to God. But, it's, but there's um, nothing wrong with it. I mean, no. people can even commit themselves at a younger age. But when yes. you have a great Christian environment, a great Christian household, mm. for a child to be raised and nurtured in that, mm. there's nothing wrong with that. That's true. That's mm. true. And our understanding grows and maturity grows Absolutely. as we get older. Um, so, yeah, just that, that nature was, was a blessing. So we've got lots of fond memories looking back at that. From when I was four to when I was 14, we sold that property, moved on when I was 14. Mm. Um, and lots of great memories. Wow. Of okay. So as far as um, interacting with uh, different kids or secular kids school-wise, because you guys were doing distance education, you weren't really exposed so much to, Correct. to that. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's right. My mum was really passionate about getting us involved in music. Mm. So probably our most regular interaction with other young people was every week we had music lessons with a music teacher, and then we joined a local orchestra and involved in playing instruments This there. is all five of the children? Yes, okay. yes, all five of us, eventually. So what was your go-to instrument when you were a young kid? Was there one particular instrument or was there a selection? Yeah, we all started on piano. Okay. Piano is probably the best introductory instrument. Right. And then... Why would that be for us uh, novices that have got no idea why <laughs> yes. piano of all, all instruments? So why not the triangle? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, the piano is is easier than a string instrument like um, violin, cello, etc. Mm. because piano has all the strings tuned for you. You're not relying on your ear to be able to tune, get the tune. Okay. So when you know when you hit that, that C on the piano, that's an in-tune C. Uh-huh. Um, and then you're learning to coordinate both hands. Um, you're learning to um, understand the keys. Mm. So the, the circle of fifth, so to speak, which is all your different sharps and flats keys, and you really get a, a basics of chords. Once you can master the piano and you know the theory of music, I think most other instruments is just understanding their technicalities and having the time to practice them. Well, there you go. I learned something. Uh, obviously, I'm not a musician, but it sounds like uh, there's a, a strong uh, musical background to mm. what you do, and obviously that's uh, now flowing through into what God's called you to do with the music camps for the uh, for the young people. Yes, that's right. That's right. And it was mum and dad's inspiration. Neither of them really were musicians, but they really wanted us to, to, to learn music, so they invested a lot into it. Wow. Now, if all the children started on piano, how did you guys uh, organize your time? So, Because I imagine you didn't have five pianos in the home. Yes, that's right. Mum mum isn't is very good at scheduling. I think that's one of her gifts. Um, but she got us all scheduled in different time slots. Hmm. A lot of the music practice was before breakfast. So oh, wow. Early, like 5.30 a.m., 6 a.m., 6.30. Do so every half practice. hour, basically. And, um, yep. Take two and a half hours to go through all the children, would it? Yeah, that's about right. <laughs> <laughs> Roughly, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, that's interesting. Okay, so you, you learn to play the piano. You uh, gain a love for music. 
you also gain a love for nature. Mm. Sounds like an idyllic environment to be brought up in. Yeah, we, we, we definitely, yeah, I think I'm so blessed. I'm really look back and grateful to God for that upbringing. And I know my mum and dad probably copped a bit of criticism because of that, you know, with, with other maybe relatives even looking on, going, you know, here you are in isolation with your children. Mm. Uh, you know, they're going to be deprived of all these things. But yeah. then as, as things as we got older and as they started to change that, that attitude a little bit and go, actually, maybe there's a lot of benefits in that kind of lifestyle. Mm. So so what's the alternative to that? I mean, just go and live in the city and uh, hang around some uh, yes. some other children who might be more secularly minded? I mean, what what's the alternative? No, Is there a balance somewhere? Yeah, I'm always curious that people are quite often, and, and well-meaning, you know, so I'm not, I'm not saying that yeah. they've got any mm. sinister uh, thoughts behind it, but well-meaning and quite often people have an opinion. And I found with a lot of opinions, quite often it's 20% fact and 80% opinion. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, research doesn't suggest mm. any negative effects of anything. I've seen yeah. some really great people come from mm. even homeschooling or distance education yes. or just living in the country. Yes. I tell you, mm. I'd much rather be with the kangaroos. Yeah. <laughs> um, our, our education was actually a mixture of homeschooling and distance okay. education. So mum started out homeschooling as mm. we got into the older grades, did di- distance education. So if we would do our high school certificate or school certificate, would go to a school to do that. Yeah. Yeah, but do everything else at home. So, sure. And, of yeah. course, in saying that, I mean, we are in a fallen world. Mm. We are all born with a fallen human nature, which by nature seems to be egocentric. That's why we sin. Mm. So there's no foolproof method to bring up a perfect child. Is no, there? that's true. Um, so any of these methods may fail, but you've got a greater chance when you're actually in mm. nature and you have the experience that you, you guys as children had. Yes, yeah, mm. that's right. And even Jesus himself in Nazareth, which was known as a fairly wicked town. Well, that's true. And that was an influence that could have negatively affected. He could have said, oh, I'm because I'm who I am because of my environment. But um, mm. like you say, it's not the, the, the be all end all, so to speak, yeah. of who we become. But it does give you an advantage. I, I, it's I'm, a blessing, I'm, I'm yes. convinced. I'm convinced <laughs> of that. Yes. Okay, wonderful. So... You, you've got a, a good uh, family background. You've got great siblings. You've got a mum and dad who are interested in your spiritual well-being. Were there any negative influences that may have had a, a bearing where at times you're thinking, oh, maybe I should try that or just wander from the path that my parents have put me on? Mm. So there, there's been a few times, I think, where influences were coming into the home that was straining relationships a little bit between mm. me and my my mum and dad, and probably most of that was through the internet. Okay. So we got a computer. Um, so some you point. weren't isolated from the world. No. <laughs> well, the internet brings everything at your fingertips, doesn't well, it? Well, that's true. So, and you know, sometimes children can develop an addiction to technology. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think that was a challenge for us at at times and strained our relationships a little bit. You know. In computer games, they became more mainstream. That was something. There's something that really attracts that young, inquisitive mind. Yeah. Do you know? And Mum wrestled against that, mm. and she had strict boundaries. But it's not easy for. I mean, it's not difficult for a young child to know more about technology than their parents. So <laughs> that was a challenge. But mm. but we didn't ever you know, all out rebel against yeah. Mum and Dad's leadership in the home. Um, sometimes probably other associations that we did have outside of the home, mm. um, the friends that you know, can be sometimes challenging mum trying to you know work with their influence on us 
and encourage us to you know, stay with with the counsel she's giving us, not listening to our other other friends. Yeah. But obviously, if we were if we had, you know, lots of strong ties outside of the home, that would have been even difficult. But mm-hmm. our, our closest friends were our brothers and sisters. It really was. Right. And you know, we had cousins and other friends that were other influences. But um, when you're in that environment where you're fairly remote, you um, you don't really have anyone else to play with. Actually, mm. I remember an interesting experience where uh, my sister, oldest, the oldest sister in the family, the oldest child actually, and the oldest boy in the family, were, you know, as children do, having disagreement and at each other. I can't even remember what it was for. Right. But it was difficult to, to, to handle. And mum was trying to think, what do I do? She's, you know, probably had enough of this uh, fighting. Yeah. And she says to them, all right, you're both going to pack your packs. I want you to pack a tent, take some food. Um, and we were used to hiking because we'd done a fair bit of hiking. Yeah. But she said to them, pack your bags, get your packs on and go. Find a place to, to camp for a night and spend some time together and come back when you can be friends. And Oh, wow. <laughs> it was a little bit radical, but it worked. It, mm. was, it was amazing. They, they went off not too happy. But, it, it, you know, when, when you Came find anybody... Happy. They came back very happy. <laughs> they came back best buddies. It was like... That's incredible. Yeah. And it shows, like, when you've got no one else to, to be with but your siblings, you've got to learn to be friends with them. Mm. That's a wonderful yeah. thing. Yeah, absolutely. Look, um, my wife and myself don't have any children. Uh, the closer we can come to is pets. Yes. And we've got two cats. Uh, the one cat we currently have, they're both ragdolls. The one cat we currently have, he was raised by himself with us. So he's become quite dependent on our company, loves our company, mm. very obedient. We tell him to go, he'll go. When we tell him to come, he comes. Tell him to go out, he goes out. Uh, and uh, almost like a dog. So he's very good and very affectionate. Mm. Now, the other one is also affectionate, but only on his terms. When he's ready, he doesn't yes. listen. He's disobedient. Yeah. You call him, you won't even respond. Mm. Um, and it's simply because he was raised uh, relying on a cat that was already there. For his friends, for his friendship. Yeah, so, okay. You know, we just subsidiary to that, basically. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> and he's become very independent. I don't know if it's just the personality of the cat. Yeah, anyway, interesting, but anyway. isn't it? So that was an interesting observation. So mm. when you're together like that as a family, yeah, and you're more reliant on that and your social structure is mm. based on that, it makes sense that you'll learn to get on well with each other because mm. your options are limited. Yeah, mm. yeah. I think, right. it's a, I think it's a great thing. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so there are some influences. You spoke about the internet. Um, now, we all have a fallen human nature, and that's yes. something we've got to wrestle with from yes. time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the influences of parents and the example of parents can make a big difference in what is modeled and what is expected even from a child. Yeah. But did you have any challenges there, you know, where you uh, had to feel, okay, I've got to put this aside and I've got to walk in the way of the Lord? Mm. Anything that stands out in your mind? Yes, definitely. So, again, it's related to technology. Mm. So. As I was saying, the internet has so many things that can take a lot of young people's time and attention. Mm. And, and it's different for different young people. Sure. You know, sometimes things are really addictive to one young person. Other people, they aren't so addictive. Mm. Something that I struggled with growing up was computer games. So as a lot of, I think, families do these mm. days, you know, these young people, young, as young people, we can be so um, drawn into that mm. and just want to spend so much time mastering the game. Yes. And... Towards the time, just before we moved away from that remote property, in fact, um, one of my brothers and I came to the point of realizing this is really a distraction for us. It's really not where we want to, helping us spiritually. Mm. And it's straining our relationships with our our parents. 
and it's making us want to lie and and do things that we know we shouldn't, you know, aren't good for us mm. in order to fulfil our our desire to play the game. Wow! So this is all based on, um, I guess, some level of addiction to a particular game, and then they started bringing out all these other negative traits or temptations to exhibit negative traits yes. all through this one thing. Yes, that's right. Incredible. Mm. Yeah, it is. It is. And it's interesting you think about that, you know, the, the worst I, I would ever be to my mum was when she didn't want me to spend too much time on the computer. Mm. You know, why would it, is it that that was bringing out that that negativity in me, which before I didn't have any trouble getting on with my mum, was our best friend, Yeah. you know? So, yeah, we got to that point. We realised we need to, we need to, to, to stop this. So... Mm. When we sold and moved, and we actually went on the road for a while in a caravan. Oh, really? Yes. And that was the ideal time to break that addiction because we, we realized we're not going to have the computer computer very much for one thing Sure. while we're traveling. And it's not what we want. We really don't want this. Wow. And we were able to support each other and, and um, mm. move on from that. Now, the reason I, I, I was so fascinated by what you said in regards mm. to you know getting so hooked up on, on computer games and that, that they become a distraction and even have negative influences potentially on relationships, mm. even with people who you love, mm. is that I do have family um, who have children, and uh, one of the children, in particular the youngest one, is totally addicted to video games mm. and little I don't know, PlayStation, the mm. small little one, handheld mm. ones mm. and that, and gets really angry and upset when this is removed from him. Mm. And he just spends, if he's not sleeping, he's on this thing. I don't know yeah. how he does his schoolwork. Yes. And uh, mm. it's it's a serious addiction. Mm. And I can just see the effect it has on relationships. The parents have almost given up to the point now where if they try and remove from it, it's such a big song mm. and dance mm. that uh, discipline has failed. Mm. And if they want peace in the house, they've just got to give in to the child's mm, um, mm, addiction, basically. Mm, mm. So I'm glad that uh, somehow the mm. Lord led you through all of that. Mm. And you guys as a family, and I guess even the older siblings' influence yes. uh, made sense. Mm, and uh, mm. you guys were able to, to break those addictions. Because as a kid, I also had the same addiction. We mm. didn't have internet mm. back then, a little bit uh, before that time. Yes. But we had Atari, and I was playing these Atari games for you wouldn't know for how long. And yes. you wasting just... In hindsight now, I regret the hours wasted on it, Sarah. Yes. For what? Yes. I mean, what are those skills that have helped me in my life? I don't know if they've helped <laughs> me at all. Maybe hand-eye coordination briefly, but really you're holding a thing in your hand and you're moving your thumb and your finger, and that's about it, you know? So. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. But today, you know, these games are so much more addictive and engrossing. Because mm, they're more um, realistic, more lifelike. It's incredible. It's mm. really incredible. Now they're bringing AI into it. and mm. Yeah, I'm really concerned for young AI people. AI being art- artificial intelligence? Yes, artificial mm. intelligence, machine learning to make these games more lifelike. Yeah. And I think, I think people that aren't addicted to computer games and never have been don't understand how gripping they are, mm. how powerful they can be. And, yeah, don't understand how serious it is. Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, addictions but, can uh, take on any form in that, but this particular, mm. I think, is a scourge, especially in our modern yeah. day, so I appreciate you you're mm. bringing that up. Mm. Okay, so you guys go on a, a road trip of sorts in yes. a caravan. So how long are you guys away for? We traveled for two, three, two and a half, three years. Okay, I thought two and a half, three months. Two and a half, three years, wow. Yes. So were you traveling around Australia? or? Yes, we were traveling around. My dad was actually doing his geology degree at the time and was needing to do some practical assignments, mm. so some mapping assignments. And so we traveled to a few different locations and spent a few months there while he was 
collecting samples and mapping and all that. So, so what did it, you guys think of it as children? How old were you when this was? Yeah, I was 14 when we started traveling. I loved it. Oh, okay, a bit of an adventure. Yeah, it was an adventure. Yeah, it was okay, exciting. Fantastic. You get away from the, uh, from the farm. Yes. And then you go and see some other parts of the world, some yes. other parts of Australia. That's right. That's right. We, so we'd sold the farm. We, we actually spent a few months in New Zealand. Wow. And then a few months, yeah, traveling around um, mostly north, north uh, western Queensland and up and down the east coast. Predominantly, mm. Yeah. Visiting like dinosaur fossil locations, um, volcanoes in New Zealand. And places that a geologist finds fascinating, and, and we found fascinating as well. Wow! And so mm. you're obviously being homeschooled at the time. You're sort of you know, yes. doing your homework while yep. Dad's running around. You're doing it in the caravan. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Doing our doing assignments and all that. Yeah. So, your dad being involved with these geology projects that he's working on, how did that affect your education in regards to these disciplines? Yes. Well, Dad. Loves loves nature. Mm. Dad is a massive nature lover, and that's that's one of the best legacies I think he's passed down to us. And whenever we're travelling through the bush, he would lead out in our hiking expeditions, and he would explaining to us the rocks and how this forms and how that forms and mm. what happens here and there. So we found that fascinating, and that's been a been a blessing. Um, okay, are there any geologists amongst your uh, siblings? None of us became geologists ourselves. Um, but obviously but an important a, uh, bit of science to, yes. to know and understand. So when you go and walk out in nature, there's a few things you can explain that perhaps the average person can't explain. Yeah, yes, that's probably true. And I guess some of us maybe have come rock collectors. We love collecting rocks like okay. Dad does. Um, and in fact, one of the highlights of growing up, I think one of the highlights of that time was a trip we did to Agate Creek in western Queensland. Um, it's the... The best fossicking places in the world for agates. Mm. I think the the most prolific in the southern hemisphere, I believe, wow. okay. finding agates, which are in a beautiful gemstone. They have lots of bands, the coloured bands. You can get greens, yellows, reds, pinks, purples, blues, and combinations of really, of yeah. Wow. They're a semi-precious gemstone. Mm. When they're cut and polished with a diamond saw, they're just yeah, beautiful. Funny enough, I. Uh I lived in a place for three years in Africa, um, probably getting close to the, well, close within a few hours of the Botswana border and also the Namibia border, mm. a place where the Orange River ran through there, and they used to have a lot of tiger's eyes. Ah, oh, yes. And if I have to think of semi-precious stones, yes, the tiger's eye, because it, when it's polished up, you can actually see into the stone. Yes, agates are a bit like that as well. Yeah, and it's sort of like an orangey-browny color with different cut layers, and yes. that almost like a cat's eye sometimes mm, in mm-hmm, the way it mm-hmm. looks. I think sometimes people refer to them as a cat's eye too at times, yes. depending on how they've been cut. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I can relate a little bit to that story. Well, dear listener, we've just come to the end of the first half of our program. You are listening to By the Word of Their Testimony, and my special guest in the studio is Emmanuel Higgins. We're just going to take a short break here and share uh, some information with you, and we'll be back right after this. Stay tuned. One sign of intelligence is evidence of anticipation. For example, when a passenger aircraft is designed, the designer anticipates that the passengers will have certain needs. If the plane's to fly at high altitudes, they'll need oxygen to survive, necessitating either oxygen masks or a pressurization system for the cabin. In human anatomy and physiology, we see abundant evidence of solutions to anticipated needs. Recently, an amazing example of this was presented at the American Association for the Advancement of Science meetings in Chicago. 
scientists studying mothers' milk in monkeys have discovered that mothers use different recipes for the milk they produce for male babies than they do for female babies. Evidence seems to show this is true for other mammals and for humans as well. Why is this? Because male and female babies have different requirements, and healthy mothers customize their milk to meet their baby's needs. Our Creator seems to have planned for everything, including our salvation, even before the creation of the world. Apparently, part of that plan involved providing mothers with amazing abilities that are only now becoming evident. Dear listener, thank you for staying with us here on 3ABN Australia Radio. You are listening to By the Word of Their Testimony. And my special guest in the studio is Emmanuel Higgins. Emmanuel, you were just sharing before how you had a wonderful upbringing with some good godly parents. You were five siblings. You did some uh, uh, homeschooling. You did some distance training and uh, education as well. But you were brought up in nature. And then also for about a two and a half year or so period or three year period, you were traveling around the world with your dad who was working on his geology education. And you got a greater education through that as well. But you lived this wonderful uh, life of uh, adventure. Now, through your experience there, you you spoke to us earlier about that time when there was a beautiful sunrise, you heard the birds singing, and when you were in nature, the book of nature, so to speak, Mm, really mm. spoke to you, and you were convinced that there was a God that created this beautiful thing, uh, scenery that you experienced. Yes, that's right. That's the earliest time I can remember just knowing in my heart God is real. Mm. Another time that comes to mind a couple of years after that was we were at an Easter weekend camp, and there was this gentleman that presented a series on how to study the Bible. Okay. And it was quite interesting to us at the time, or to me, because you hear people give messages and sermons and lectures, and but they don't really teach you how to go after spiritual truth for yourself. Hmm. And this gentleman was so convicting and powerful in his message and simple. Simple things like he would say, when you read the Bible, don't just read it through once, read it through Five, six, seven times. Right. Read the last verse to the first verse. Mm. Read the odd verses, then read the even verses. And make observations. Ask the who, what, when, where, why questions. Okay. By asking the right questions, you you discover new truth that you didn't see before. Mm. He led us through that in such a simple way. I thought, wow, I want to study the Bible for myself. And uh, that's the first time I can remember, yeah, wanting to go after the truth in God's word, not because my parents said to me, Manuel, you need to do your morning devotions, you know, but because I wanted to know what the Bible says. Mm. And I saw that it could be exciting to study the Bible. Okay. So when you say exciting, what was it about uh, what he said to you that made you excited about getting into the Bible? Yes. So the exciting part was you can discover something in the Bible that maybe no one else has discovered Mm. or maybe something that you've just never seen before. Maybe no, no one's ever told it to you, but you've discovered it for yourself. So it's the excitement of discovery. Is, that is excitement. Yes. Exciting. Just yeah. like, you know, you discover a gemstone, you dig for it and you find it. Hmm. And that you discover some new natural phenomena. It's that excitement. Um, just like when we can discover something new in the Bible for the first time. So, so this then sets you up to get into the Bible and to start studying it with, uh, with new meaning and some newfound skills. Yes. And that made a, a difference and an impact in your life? Yes, absolutely. And I think that's really when we start to become a Christian. 
Okay. Is when we when we are going after spiritual truth for ourselves. Mm. I know that many of many of us grow up in Christian homes, or maybe we don't grow up in Christian homes, but it's um, when we're seeking after truth for ourselves and, and Bible truth for ourselves. Really, when we're becoming a Christian, and people can tell us lots of things. They can, you know, encourage us to study the Bible. They can try and motivate us to do that. But when it's motivation from within, that's something different. Yeah, wow. And that's something that I'm passionate to encourage young people to get that experience of seeking after God for themselves, having that hungering after after truth. Mm. Um, that's their own hungering. And when, when we have that, we seek for God. It's the most precious thing. Amen. Um, the Bible just becomes a living book. It does. It is a living book, you know, and uh, it's the Apostle Peter in First Peter chapter 1, verse 23, that says, Having been born again, not a corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. So the word of God has got a, a great role to play in regards to people being born again. That's mm. why the Apostle Paul says to Timothy as well, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, yes. you know. So the word of God very important, and I it's think powerful. Yeah, and even when he writes to the Thessalonians, he says there in second, sorry, First Thessalonians chapter two and verse thirteen, it says, "For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, mm. which also effectively works in you who believe." Wow. Yeah. So what happens is we are born again through mm. the word. And the word continues to work, and it says effectively works in those who believe. So those who continue to believe have the efficacy of the living word continuously working in their mm. lives. Amen. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. So thank you for bringing that out. Hmm. So you have this experience with nature. You have this experience with the word of God now. Are there any other, um, I guess, episodes in your life that stands out where they were pivotal in your decision-making where you could have gone left or right and then somehow – the Lord said, no, this is how I'm going to lead you. And you decided that's the best, that's the best route to take. Yes, definitely, Etienne. I know for many of, many of us young people, it's the biggest decisions is what are you going to believe, I guess? Um, and the next biggest decision is what is my trajectory in life? Where am I headed? What's mm. my career? What's my, my future pathway that I'm, I'm heading towards? And God has led in my life in in somewhat of an unconventional pathway. So when I was, I think I was about 16, 17, when our family moved into Melbourne, mum and mum was studying at the time, dad was, went looking for work, and it was a crossroads, I had three options of what I could, what I could do. One was take up a plumbing apprenticeship. Right. And uh, I had a brother-in-law who was a plumber, and he's an awesome guy, and he was like, I'd love to take you on as an apprentice, and you can learn the plumbing trade. Yeah. And another great option was there was a, a college in America, a Bible college that um, they were keen for, for me to. Uh, I was keen to go, and they they had said we'd like you to love you to come. Looking mm. forward to seeing you, and that was a opportunity to go to America and study uh, for a few years over there. Right. And the other option was to just stay at home and help mum and dad, and and take up whatever opportunities came. Mm. So. Decision, decisions. You've got three. What do you do? Three options there, yeah. Yeah, what do you do? In a, in, and I think many times we have good decisions. We're not sure which, which of the good decisions should well, we take. Well, that's right. How many, how many young people? What age are you now, if you don't mind me asking? I was, at that time, I was 17 and a half. 
Okay. And look, how many young people are probably around about that age, 17, 18, thereabouts, and they're still not sure which direction to pursue in regards to career or future plans? Yes. So what do you do? I mean, hopefully there's some good advice in this for those who will be listening who are maybe going through that at the moment or know someone that's going through that at the moment. Yes. So, yeah, I think all of us go through that, all young people, we go through that around that age. Hmm. And for me, this is how I try to think of the, the decision and rule out which option I should take. So the plumbing apprenticeship option, I was think I just had a little bit, a few concerns as to whether that would would um, end up working out in the long run. Right. But Were you interested in plumbing? I was interested in getting a trade. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, for the purpose of producing income, so you can live. That's right. You know, okay. You, Understand. It's a good thing to have a trade. You can you can always fall back on it. You can always use it. It's yeah. a practical skill. Absolutely. So I was interested. And you can in that. fix certain things if something breaks at home. So there's a lot of practical yes. application other than producing an income. Yes, yeah. that's right. Exactly. Yeah, mm. exactly. So the plumbing was was attractive. I was interested in it, but I thought I was a little bit concerned as to whether it would work out. So that's kind of why I thought, no, I don't think I'll do that option. The other option, going to America, was very attractive because. It's an adventure. Right. And what young person doesn't like a bit of adventure? Sure, going overseas. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And You had already had a little bit of a taste of travel around Australia with your yes. dad, even to New Zealand? I love to travel. Mm. But, but this was it. This was the thing. I felt that my motives weren't right. Okay. But at that point, I had been involved with my family in, in um, serving God in ministry. Mm. And I felt that I wanted to serve God. I really wanted to do God's will and serve him. Um, in my life but I, I felt my motive in going to America was like and look, this is just me it's not going to be like this forever and I wouldn't look at another young person and think this is their motive but for me I knew what my motives were and I was like this is the path to success and and prestige and fame and popularity mm. I thought this is the way to go so you a, thought if you go down this path you could create a name for yourself possibly you know right, and okay. who knows whether I was really right or not sure but whether I would have or not but that was the way I was thinking mm. and I thought that's not the right motives you know I don't want to go to America and study at this college and try and make a name for myself and I really want God to lead me mm. I don't want to make decisions that are just what I want to do yes and, and I think even though I knew going to America, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, it's a good thing to do. Of course. Yeah, yeah. But if I've got that a... That in itself is not the issue. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Exactly. But if I've, if I've got a selfish motive, I should recognize that mm. and go, Lord, I don't want to... Yeah, I, I'm not confident in doing this. So I just decided to stay home. Which, oh, okay. from the outside, seems like, well, <laughs> what kind of decision is that? You yeah, know? yeah. But... But shortly after that, only a few weeks after making that decision, I'm just going to stay home and see what opportunities God opens up. Mm. So only a few weeks after that, I had an opportunity to start work at a media ministry. Okay. And doing filming, graphic design, and video production. And was able to pick up a bunch of skills just on the job in that. In that. And it was a ministry work as well. So I was involved in, in serving God as well as as learning media production. Mm, wow. So and and since then and from there also I had an opportunity to be involved in a youth ministry. A ministry that was running a very unique style of camp, Christian camp here in Australia. Okay. For young people to basically young people to get an experience with God. Mm. So if young people want to have an experience knowing God and mixing with other young people who want to know God too, then this youth camp was was an opportunity for them to do that. Okay. And so I got involved there first as a youth leader and then started working as staff 
and helping coordinate and plan the camps. And in fact, that was a turning point in my life, um, going to these youth camps. It, it, I had a conversion experience uh, at one of those camps myself. Wow. Yeah. So this is around the age 17 and a half, 18, or a little bit yes, older? Yes, it would have been almost 18, I think. Maybe okay. just turned 18. I can't. It's, it's a few years ago. Mm. Um, but yes, that's right. And do you know, sometimes we all can experience times in our life where God doesn't feel close. Mm. Do you know, where we know we've been closer to God than we are now. And I was going through a time like that where I knew maybe I wasn't pursuing God as much as I had in the past, and maybe I wasn't as close to him as I had been. And I actually prayed a few months before this experience, Lord, I want to be closer to you. Mm. I want to know you, and I feel like I'm not as close to you as I should be. And so I prayed that prayer. I didn't really know what I could do uh, to make it happen. But at this youth camp, God really spoke to me, and it was just – it was actually through music – Okay. And uh, these uh, girls were singing this special item. It was a song that was sing- they sang was about heaven and about how there's going to be no night in heaven and how God wants to take us there and he has this beautiful place prepared for us. Mm. And in that moment, as I was listening to that song, it just hit me like a realization that I'd never felt before where it hit me like God is real and God wants to take me me to that place. Mm. This is incredible. Yeah. Like I knew the theory of that, but the, the reality of that hit home. Mm. And this burning question came to my mind. It was, if God is real, why are you living the way you're living? Yeah. Like if all the theory you, you claim to believe is a reality, then, then how would it change the way you live? Like I think, I think it's so easy to know all about God and, bele- and, and say, I believe in God, but we don't live as if we believe in God because if we really believed in God and, and followed through the implications of that, yeah, we would realize there's a lacking in our life. Yeah, wow. And So the interesting yeah. thing is that leading up to this camp, you had already determined you're living a good life as far as other people would probably say. They'll probably consider you to be a Christian. Yes. But you felt that there was just a slight disconnect from God compared to what it had been in the past. Yes. God impresses your mind and say, listen, things need to be better and mm. they can be better. Mm. And you recognize that and say, Lord, I want it to be better. Yeah. I want to have a closer walk with you. Yes. And then at the camp, but you don't know how or when or what you need to do. And then at the camp, somehow it just comes mm. to mind and God speaks to you through the music. Yes. It was, it was so profound. And it was the most, that week is the closest I'd ever felt to God. Wow. And I just prayed earnestly in the morning and said times with close with God. And I knew he he heard me. I knew mm. he was listening to my prayers, and I saw prayers answered. And that was the first time in my life where I had actually shed tears over who I was. Wow. And I realized that I was— So you're not talking about tears of joy over who you were, were you? Or you? <laughs> <laughs> what I mean is—what I mean is I realized that I had disregarded God. I had let down this amazing opportunity God had, had mm. for me. God wanted to give me eternal life. God wanted to give me heaven yeah. and take me to be with him there. I, and I realized I had I'd slighted that. Mm. I had turned my back on it, even though, as you say, on the outwards, outside I looked like a good Christian. Yeah. Do you know? And I, can, I know what to say. I know all the right words to say. I know all the right things to do. But inside I was not being honest mm. with my faith. 
So, yeah, I, I, I wept for my sin, for my right. just because I knew I had messed up. Mm. I'd really done the wrong thing. Yeah. And I think when we are at that point, God can heal us, mm. and God can really then fill us. Yes. And that was an amazing experience, and that really propelled me forward to go, the rest of my life I want to serve God. The rest of my life, I want to help other young people experience this amazing experience that that I've experienced, and that so many others have experienced too, who have walked the Christian faith. This yeah. experience of conversion—that's uh, the most life-changing, amazing experience mm. um, that any young person can experience. Yeah, wow. And um, do you know, I know a lot of young Christian friends who are struggling in their faith, mm. and I think it's easy to go, you know what? This Christian thing doesn't really work for me. I've tried it. Mm. It doesn't really work. And I was only talking to a young person about this uh, not long ago, and they were were saying, I really don't think I want to be a Christian anymore. And I asked them, so what? I explained to them conversion, what conversion is, Mm. and what conversion does to you. You know, we know currency conversion, right? Yes. Give me a five US dollars and I'll convert that into what is it? $7.50 $7.50 Australian. Something like that, yeah. Something something like that. It's a change. In, in conversion now, our life is a, is a change. Where mm. The things we used to like, now we like different things. It's like a massive, it really is a massive change. Mm. It can happen gradually, but nonetheless it's a change. I was explaining this to this young person and said to them, do you, think, you know, do you think you've experienced conversion in your own life, in your experience? And they said, no, I don't think I have. Mm. I don't think I've experienced conversion. And so I said to them, so why are you giving up on the Christian faith when you haven't experienced actually what it's all about? Yeah. Because everything else, all the tra- you know, traditions um, and, and rules in the Christian faith are meaningless if we haven't experienced conversion. Yeah. Conversion is what makes it make sense. It's what gives us the, the reason to live, the purpose, etc. So that's something every young person needs to experience. And I'd like to challenge young people to seek after that experience for themselves. Because mm. I can't give them conversion. You can't give them conversion. That's right. It's a work of God. And yeah. it's a work that God will do for them if they ask God for it mm. and if they seek God for it. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, it, it doesn't make sense even from a logical perspective to reject something if you do not have a knowledge of actually what you're rejecting. Yes. And basically yes. what you're saying is that, that the knowledge actually comes through experience, and the experience comes by hearing the Word. Faith comes by hearing and mm. hearing the Word of God, and by hearing and believing, tasting, mm. and seeing that the Lord is good. And yes. then if you've done that and go, oh, this is not for me, then you're doing it with your eyes open. Yes. But if the eyes are still closed and you haven't had the experience, you don't know what you're rejecting. And sometimes we walk away a little bit too soon from good things. Yes. I'm not saying bad things, something that's obviously bad and evil. I mm. mean, we're not talking about something like, okay, if you do that, you'll get an addiction. Don't, don't, go, don't go down that path. Mm. Uh, we're talking about something that's good. We're talking about connecting with your creator. Because the thing is, God is connected to us, whether we're aware of it or not, in the sense that if he was to neglect any of us for about a moment, if he were just to forget about us for a moment, yes. we would stop breathing and we would die. Mm, that's so true. even those who are opposed enemies, who are atheists, who don't even believe in the God of the creation, yes. you know, they may be in heathen practices mm. or even satanic practices, mm, mm. 
God sustains them in the hope that they would grope after God, as Paul says in the King James Bible, in the hope that they may find him. Mm. But he's not very far from each one of us, he says. So thank you for bringing that out. It's really important that people understand that the God who they want to reject is the God has not rejected them from the time that they were mm, born. That's right. And he has sustained them all along. Yes. So if they want to say, listen, I didn't ask to be born. I didn't ask for this God or for his religion. Well, the fact that you're alive shows that God is caring about you and is concerned about you. Yes. And if he was to act the way you act towards him, you mm. would cease to be. Mm. So we we thank God for his grace, his mercy, and his goodness Because it is his goodness ultimately that leads us all to repentance And conversion like you say God is so good Mm. You know, I look back and and see times where I've been sad And I've had discouragement And it's been my fault (laughs) You know, God has only been good to me And sometimes things are beyond our circumstances, of Mm. course Sure But but God is very good to us And he has an amazing plan for our life Mm. Amen And my prayer and desire is to Moving forward is to just keep listening to God's voice. And I think it comes down to searching, to knowing myself mm. in the sense that what are my motives? Why am I wanting to do what I'm doing? And trying to understand, be, be still and understand what's God's will. Mm. Like where, where would God be leading here? What could God bless? Mm. And uh, you know, our life is an adventure. It's an amazing adventure. And I think life with God is the most exciting adventure. True. It's, it's free from fear. We don't have to worry about the future. Wow. We don't have to be scared of what's that's around the corner. That's a bold statement. Yes. And you, are you 100% sure about the, uh, life free from fear? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Praise the Lord. Not that I haven't experienced fear and still don't experience fear if... Sure, but what you're saying is actually biblical, isn't it? It is, but it's only if I if I start taking things into my hands mm. and saying, you know what, Lord, I know what you would want me to do, but I'm going to do my thing this time. That's when the fear starts to come because then I know I'm just... Sure. I'm only relying on myself. Mm. So what is the counter for fear? I think the scripture has something to say about love in mm. being an antidote to fear. Yes. And that this deep love is so anchoring and so secu- so foundational that when we have that, that divine love in our heart, mm. we, we lose our concern of failure, our yeah. concern of, yeah, well, I, I like that because, I mean, the love that we're talking about here is the love that God has for us and us being able to love in the same way, which is mm. a, a supernatural love, which we don't by nature have. And it is a perfect love, mm. which the human heart cannot of itself produce. And we are told in First John chapter 4 and verse 19 that we love him. That's the sacrificing, self-sacrificing love of God, the agape love. Mm. We love him because he first loved us. Yes. And then you're talking about fear. Verse 17 says, Now love has been, this agape love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so we are in the world. And then it says that statement, which is just beautifully uh, Mm. illustrated and said before, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. So when love is perfected, it casts out fear Mm. because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So depending on the level of agape we have in our life will depend on how little fear we have left. Yes. Yes, that's true. (laughs) It's very true. And it all comes back to loving God because he first loved us and trusting God. And Mm. I think it's the trust and the love that actually casts it out because we're in God's hands and we Mm. know that. Mm. 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 God is so good. you know. And since that time, I think that was in 2012, 2011 actually it was 2011 since then um, God has led year by year and 
to be more involved in evangelism, mm. more involved in in sharing God's love with people. Yeah. And we've traveled a lot. We've traveled in almost, actually, we have traveled in every state in Australia, sharing Christian literature, Christian books with people, and encouraging young people, speaking with young people, encouraging them to stay faithful to God, to seek after that, that experience with God for themselves. Mm. And I really praise God looking back at how he has led. It's impossible for us to predict the future. That's true. You know, it's impossible. But we can have a confidence when we look at the past mm. and we see, well, God has been so good to us. Amen. He has been faithful and he has given us opportunities to learn, to grow, to encourage other people and to, to know him more. And so that gives us a confidence. And, and I look back in the, fu- in, in the past My only concern at the future is if I lose my walk with God. Yeah, that's true. And we live in a world that's a dark world um, in a lot of ways. And and every day we need to walk closer with God. Mm. And uh, now now I'm married with a beautiful wife with Lisa. She's she's just such a treasure. And uh, we have our first child on the way coming in just about two months' time. So that's going to be, well, they say when you have a child, it changes things. So yeah. we're, we're looking forward to that. But as, as, the, as I guess as the responsibilities of life mount up, um, to maintain that walk with God, mm. I think is the most important thing, um, to not let the, the pressures of life sh- take away our time with God. Yeah. Mm, that, that is beautiful. One of the things I, I, I you, you brought out there is the importance of remembering how God has led us yes. in the past. Mm. And I just see in the book of Deuteronomy how often Moses, inspired by God, so this the Holy Spirit speaking through Moses, mm. um, saying to them that you've got to re- tell your children about the history of Israel, how we were mm. slaves in Egypt, how God led us by a strong arm and mighty hand. He delivered mm. us, mm. set us free, and brought us to the promised land. Mm. Mm. And they were to talk about that and the law of God when yes. they lie down, when they sit up, when That's they go right. by the wayside. Yeah. You know, It's going to be continue on their lips and their minds, the praise of God and his wonderful great works. Mm. Now, why would God encourage anybody to do that and tell their children that and then their children's children and so on? Because it's important for us to know our history as yes, a people. Yes. And uh, it reminds me of a quote that I've read in uh, some of Ellen White's writings, and it's found in a few places. I think I'll go to Selected Messages, Book 3, page 162, paragraph 3. Mm. It says, We have nothing to fear for the future. So we were talking about fear again, as yes. you mentioned. Yeah? Yes. Except we shall forget the way the Lord has led us and its teachings in our past history. Mm. So it's not only his leading, but also his teachings, mm. you know. And there we see in the book of Deuteronomy where they were not only talking about God's leading but also his teaching yes. because the law is included in the teaching and instruction mm. other than recounting mm. the history. Mm. So thank you so much for bringing that out, uh, Emmanuel. We've only got a couple of minutes left in this this half, but uh, you're, um, you, the Lord has continued to lead you. You're now involved in a church plant. Uh, yes. Did you ever think you'll be involved in a church plant to this level? I wouldn't have seen it coming. Okay. No, like a lot of things, we God gives us these surprises and these opportunities, and it's exciting. Hmm. It's exciting, and in these experiences, we can learn so much. You know, we're learning so much at the moment, and but it's, at the end of the day, it's all about the opportunities to impact other people's lives. It's all about the opportunity of sharing. God's love, sharing this radical life-changing message mm, with people that everyone can benefit from. Yes. You know, everyone can benefit from knowing that they are loved and cared for by God. 
Mm. And that God has a plan for their life. And that embracing our nothingness and God's everything is is so liberating mm. and so powerful. And it's, it's life transforming. Wow. Praise God for that. Well, dear listener, that's all we have time for at the moment. We're just going to take a short break and share our contact details with you. You are listening to By the Word of the Testimony. My special guest in the studio is Emmanuel Higgins. We'll be right back after these short messages. Stay tuned. Thank you for joining us on By the Word of Their Testimony. If you would like more information about today's program, or if you have any questions, please contact 3ABN Australia Radio by phoning 0249733456. Or you can send an email to radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. You can also contact us on our 3ABN Australia Radio Facebook page. We look forward to hearing from you. Dear listener, you are listening to By the Word of Their Testimony. My special guest in the studio is Emmanuel Higgins. And Emmanuel, just as we wrap it up, you are now involved in a church plant. You're involved in an organization, a ministry called Eastwood Missions. Yes. Uh, if people want to know more about this, can they find you on the Internet? Yes, absolutely. So they can look up on Facebook, Eastwood Missions, and that's Eastwood with a W-A-R-D as in the direction of Eastwood. Eastwood. Eastwood Missions. Okay. Or they can check out our church plant. We have a website which is www.entrance.church. So entrance.church, that's very simple. It is, it okay. is. There's a lot of dots mm. other than .com these days. There's a wonderful group of young people who are part of this church plant. Now I know that uh, we get some sponsorship through the conference to pay for accommodation. Then we also have meals provided by Eastwood Missions and a stipend of about $50 a week that are provided by Eastwood Missions as well. Yes. So if people are inspired by what these young people are doing, and I mean these are incredible young people who have dedicated their lives to share the gospel, but they are living by faith pretty much because there's not, it's not, they're not in it for the money because there is no money. This is just basic survival. <laughs> if people want to sponsor them and help them out, what can they do? Where can they go if they want to support them? Yes, yeah, so on the entrance.church, that website, mm. there is a page where you can sponsor a percentage of what we'd like to be giving the, the young people who are doing evangelism. Right. So right there on the website, it's, it's very easy. Oh, wonderful. Okay. And just in the last 20-odd seconds that we have, any words of encouragement for anybody who, uh, as say, just uh, they're coming to the Lord now and uh, they're not sure what the next steps are? Yes. Well, the, the Scripture says, if you seek me, you will find me. And sometimes in the moments of our greatest discouragement, that's when God is the nearest. So don't give up. Mm, amen. Thank you for those encouraging words, Emmanuel. Thank you for being my guest in the studio today. And dear listener, thank you for joining us on the program. We look forward to catching up with you next time. Until then, God bless. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.